Pictures up. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Robert from Machado Visuals, and welcome to the very first episode of this new podcast format I'm experimenting with. I've always kind of wanted to experiment with the podcast medium, but haven't really had a solid subject matter to pursue. So this will most certainly be a learn-as-you-go type deal, and I'm super excited to have you along for the ride. Today's guest is actor-director Savannah Jokel, who I most recently worked on on the short film for Mom. It was for the UNLV 48-Hour Film Festival, and it was probably the most fun I've had on set. Cool. So, Savannah. Hello. Um, go ahead and, like, give, like, introduce yourself and, like, tell us, like, your role in Vermont. Sure. My name is Savannah Jokel, and I directed for Mom for the 48-Hour Film Festival, which uh, I sort of did just for being spontaneous, you know, for fun. And uh, it was terrifying, but it was totally worth it. What made it so terrifying? Just being a director is scary. <laughs> Before that, I'd, I'd only ever acted. And I realized that I think directing is actually more nerve-wracking for me than acting. It's, it's just a lot of pressure on your shoulders. So what did you think about the... Um Tell, tell us about the process of the 48. So like, yeah, um, I just remember driving on my way to the 48 and I hadn't slept cause I just was so nervous and my stomach was just in knots, but you go into this room with uh, all the other teams and you have your team and you basically just wait until your name gets called, um, the director's name. And you go up and you choose like uh, these little slips out of the basket. And so we got, we were assigned for our genre slapstick comedy, which instantly I felt good because we had, <laughs> I mean, it was destiny. We had Roberto and I already wanted Mabel to be in mine because uh, she was in town during the time. And I just had to ask her because she's, she's like my idol. I love her. And the slapstick comedy just fit really well with both of them because I wanted it to be this strange world. And the only thing that appears normal is like sort of Mabel until she just completely loses it <laughs> because the world is just this strange world eventually gets to her head where it just all feels like just a slapstick comedy world. <laughs> so what would, tell, what was the like casting process like? Like how did, how did, how did you know? to go for Roberto. It's because I worked with Roberto previously. I guess that's the the great part about acting with with other people before and and Roberto actually directed me before. Uh it was for like a vegas.com thing and we had a lot of fun on the shoot. We just we get along really well. And uh I just remember I'm like who would be really who could I bring to the table that we haven't seen a lot at UNLV in the community and I just instantly thought of Roberto and that's also why I wanted to use Mabel. And as a director, one thing that I really feel like I've liked is also using people that haven't acted a lot like John Bartley. Cause he, I've never really seen him act. And then I'm like, John, why don't you act in this? You know, like I, I like throwing the crew, like the ninjas, you know, who are hiding behind like the, <laughs> the equipment, like, Hey, just act in this, you know, like it's just kind of fun. And also like Jennifer Delgado is a good example too, because we originally like 
were going to have someone play Juanita and then uh, she joined another team. And so I'm like, well, who is going to be Juanita? We need that character, obviously, because it was part of our prompt. And I'm like, how about Jennifer Delgado? <laughs> Let's just use her. I mean, she'd be great. So part of it's like a select, like almost just pulling our available resources with. Yes, definitely about using resources along with quick strategic planning. Uh, because the second I knew Mabel was in town, I wanted to take advantage of that and use that resource. And so I talked to her at a party at Cody and Ryan's and I'm like, yo, I really want you to be in my short. And she just instantly was like, oh my God, I would love to be in your short. And then after that, I mean, we developed like a really good friendship too from this, you know, um, like I visited her in LA afterwards and. She's just, she was like such a doll on set. She just, she just hit everything she needed to. And that's why, like, I think the biggest learning experience is I feel like I didn't do shit. I really didn't. It wasn't me. Okay. It was everybody else. And it's like, I feel like that is your role though, as a director is let other people do the magic, just allow it to happen. And it will, you know, and it did for this and watching it was so fascinating. So tell, uh, what was the collaboration process like early on when we were, when we were all in that living room, and right? We we're all coming. Yeah. I, well, I remember like, cause I preparation is such a huge thing. And, uh, so I remember, I mean, we met even before the 48 started, and we just, we made up a list of possible cast and like crew members and budget, you know, just to prepare ourselves. And then what it actually happened, we all drove back. Um, I remember driving back with John and John, he really helped me out a lot with like coming up with like a good idea to like flow and the slapstick comedy part for me, I felt like it all sort of just trickled down into the right spots, like the storyline and the beats. And like, I just remember talking to John about it. And as I kept talking to him and we were like feeding each other ideas, it just, it just came together. Like this epic moment, like, oh my God. <laughs> the stars aligning. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the stars aligning, you know? And, um, Aaron too, like he really helped out because he thought of the whole shrine part because I felt there was like something missing. Like I, I didn't want it to be too much like slapstick comedy because that's just, it's all on the surface. And Aaron thought of like, well, what if, what if her mom was like a Fanta girl? And that's why, like, this is her dream, you know? And I was like, oh my God. So tell us how, how did this whole, how did the whole Fanta um, uh, kind of motif emerge? Well, I think, honestly, I think it started sort of like, I think it sort of started from you when you showed the YouTube. We were just, you know, looking at commercials for Fanta and like, because it's so bright and colorful and it, and it does fit the slapstick comedy world too, which is great. They just kind of go hand in hand. And uh, so we were all watching it to sort of get inspiration on how to incorporate the two and make it like this crazy world. And, and then like, there's an actual ad for who wants to be the next Fanta girl, you know? And we're like, wow, like what if we do something about Mabel wanting to be the next Fanta girl and we'll just do an audition. So it kind of sparked from that, 
from when you pulled up that video. And then from then on, we all just started throwing in ideas and eventually it came together. So, um, that night, um, while you guys were all kind of, while Aaron was like writing the script and everything, what was it like? Cause when did you actually leave? Like what, what was that process like of actually going through and writing everything? Oh, that was, yeah, we didn't even start writing till, like, I think Aaron finished the script around like four in the morning or something or five, because first we, well, first we fed each other the ideas and I, like me personally, I just love to let the idea grow into something of its own. I don't like to mess with creative ideas too much because I feel like they're there for a reason. Like they sort of are a being of their own and everyone else like incorporating their ideas and it just formed into like this really interesting story. And so I remember it started with like the whiteboard and writing down like the key points, you know, like the acts, um, like the beats, you know, the most important moments. And then from there on, like when Aaron started writing it, that's when it just clicked. So in terms of like, so in, in most cases, film students aren't really writing for slapstick comedies. So where do you even begin with producing that story? Yeah. I mean, slapstick comedy, the first thing I thought of, you know, was obviously Chaplin because he created it. And, you know, it's just about that physicality and growing up, like I love slapstick comedy. I think like Black Sheep and um, Tommy Boy, like Chris Farley was my favorite slapstick comedian. He's just so damn funny. And I've, I've watched those films like so many times. So I was trying to think of, you know, like how to bring that physical comedy in and like a lot of that too was just allowing the actors to like go crazy and do what they want because they, they're like, I mean, honestly, slapstick comedy is really performance. That's where it generates, you know, its core value and it's in what the actors do and how like animated they are. And luckily like Roberto and Mabel, like Mabel just decided to tackle Roberto and it just like worked out that way. And like, I mean, we did think of the banana, you know, cause well, what's like, what's the most slapstick comedy thing? Like, tripping on a banana because you've seen it a million times so we could just throw certain like familiar stereotypes to slapstick comedy but try to make it something more than that because that's just was like I, that was my main concern I didn't want it to just feel like a skit or just like a funny story with like no substance to it mm -hmm. and I like and that's why the opening shot too I wanted to open it like right on her face, you know, because it's like the most vulnerable moment of her. And it's just, you're there, you know, and she's giving everything she's got, but then it just sort of starts to unfold into like this strange world. And then Roberta walks in and that's when like, it's like the slapstick comedy right. avalanche coming into the building. <laughs> the avalanche. <laughs> so like using normal kind of uh, genre conventions and, and kind of building upon that to like craft your own story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I also, another big thing I learned uh, is I love just watching the actors like incorporate their own ideas, you know? And I, like a lot of it was improv, like what Steve said and like the, just the judges, you know, like that was improv. And like Mabel, basically like we wrote down, you know, like the dialogue, um, like Aaron wrote it down and like this scene, the prayer scene, or, you know, she's praying for to her mom. 
that is in the script, but there are certain parts that just was completely spontaneous. Like when, when Mabel, she comes up and grabs the Fanta from the table that the judges, you know, like it was one of the judges Fantas, like that was all her idea. And I love that. Like just give the actors space, like let them do whatever the hell they want and you will see magic happen. So what was that like? So, uh, kind of skipping ahead, uh, we're in the middle of production. What is it like shooting a kind of scripted improv? It's really fun. I don't know. I think it's just because, like I said, like I didn't do shit. I just got really lucky with such an amazing cast and crew. And everyone was so willing to work and commit to it, you know? And I think that's why, like, the improv part was easy for me. Because in reality, like, I'm sure it's it's probably really hard. But I just got so lucky. And everybody brought it and everybody, it's just, I think it's trust too. Like trust is really important. And I put my faith into the actors because I know what it's like. And it is so vulnerable just even going up in front of the camera. But it's also unbelievably emotional. Like it's just, it's just like a transformation that you watch right before your very eyes. And like, what's better than that? It's almost like a controlled chaos kind of deal. Yeah, it is kind of like a controlled chaos. And like, like the reactions too. I'm big on reactions. Um, and some of the reactions that Mabel was giving. And then like Roberto, just when he starts like shaking violently as he's warming up and then cutting to Mabel's <laughs> reaction. I mean, it all just like flows so well, you know? And I just remember, I remember watching them and just being absolutely amazed. And like, it actually made me more nervous to act after watching them. Cause I'm like, oh my God, they're so good. You know, like, even though I've, I have more acting experience than anything else. I'm like, oh my God, like, they're so good. Mm -hmm. I'm probably like, I could never do that. I could never do what Mabel did. <laughs> um, so when you, when you start first crafting your story, um, and and this doesn't just have to apply to for mom, but when you first start crafting a story, like where do you start when you um, start building your like world and character? Like, is there a certain like starting point you like build off of or like when you like, ha like how does that process work for you? For like, where do you, where do you start in terms of crafting your world and characters? Oh man, this is uh my unicorn side coming in. Um, <laughs> my pixie fairy. There you go. I honestly feel like I just allow these ideas to come to my head. I feel like I'm so open-minded and a lot of it too is music. I just will play songs and for so some odd reason, whenever I play songs, it like, it opens like my mind up. It like opens like this wave, you know, and it like all these creative ideas, like they receive it and then they come to me. That just sounds so weird, but like, that's kind of how I feel my process works. It's very ambiguous and like magical in a way, you know, like Spielberg says your ideas are never really screamed you. They sort of just come to you in a whisper. And I, when he said that it, it made a lot of sense because I feel like that's sort of how my ideas start. It just starts with this really small idea, like almost sometimes just an image from like a song it gives me an image and then something about that image really captures my attention in an emotional way, in an aesthetic way. And then from there on, I just start building this story. And how do I make this story communicate well? 
and how do I make it like actually mean something something because I'm I'm just a really deep person <laughs> I got a lot of, I got a lot of uh gravitas like substance and I guess I use that to my advantage and then um so in terms of coming back to for mom um for you what were kind of the main themes of the piece I think it's like I mean, of course, it has to do with, like, pursuing in your dreams, but also, like, realism versus loss of just, like, losing reality, like, losing touch with reality and also, like, inner truth. Like, what's the real reason why you're doing this? Like, is she really doing this for her mom? Because, you know, it's like at some points you're not often sure because she wants it so badly, but is it for her mom? Is there something else? You know, she's trying to validate herself and like, that's it. So I kind of see the theme is sort of like the inner truth and like coming to terms with the reality of your situation, which is not always good. <laughs> and then um, what were, so walk us through some of the things that were going through your head, like while we were shooting, like we ran through some difficulty, like oh what were God. some of the trials and tribulations that, oh. that we ran into um, during production? The first thing was, um, so we decided to do the Fanta commercial first. So we get our asses up at 6am or whatever it was to be there at 630. Um, I felt so bad for everyone because it was just so cold outside and we're just wearing like these shorts and tank tops, you know, like crop tops. And we're just <laughs> dancing at 6.30 in the morning uh, in downtown Las Vegas, like not the best area. <laughs> yeah, it was, and, it, was, um, it was Brit. It was cold. It was very cold. But Brit. this, I just remember like, oh my God, it's so cold. But then the second, like we started dancing, it's like I didn't feel it anymore because I was having so much fun. I was having so much fun during that fanzine commercial. Like it didn't even matter anymore. Like what, made, what made it so fun for you? It was just the energy, man. Like that's why your cast and crew, like it's just so important that you all get along and like see the fun in it and not take it too seriously. And I feel like at one point we all just sort of let go and like we were just dancing to actually have fun, you know, like it became a real thing. And especially like watching Mabel dance and, and drinking the Fanta, you know, like we got real crazy with that. And sometimes like opening up, opening yourself up, you just get all sorts of like chaotic energy and it just builds up in you. And like, that's just what this whole experience turned into. It was exhilarating. But, um, I think the first thing that we ran into, the first problem was uh, getting kicked out within the first, what was it, like 45 minutes, yeah. 30 minutes? Yeah, the fir we, our first location, our first spot we uh, got booted from. Yeah, this scary man walked out of El Cortez. And there was two. Yeah. There was two people. Two. two people came up and they were like, hey, can't be here. So um, Steve thought of the idea there's like another mural down the street and because of him we like found our location which worked out even better like just miraculously because it had more color in the background like the first mural I think it was more like graffiti looking like it had some faces or something on it from what I remember and then the second mural was just these like beautiful like Fanta colors yeah, you know just just yeah when they first came out what like like and told us that we had to leave like what 
What exactly um, was running through your mind? I just remember, <laughs> I think we captured that because it was me that was dancing. And um, I remember looking over and uh, <laughs> I think you actually captured it on camera and you see my face like instantly just turn into a like stone. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> lost all expression. Yeah, I remember Yeah. That. And I was just, and I knew, like, the second I saw him walking towards us, like, I knew. I was like, okay. I was just instantly thinking, like, going into panic mode. Like, okay, what are we going to do? Just that little voice in my head, just, like, very assertive. What are we going to do? We need to think of something right now. And so when it happened, um, we were all just trying to think of the next place. And then Steve suggested that one. And I'm like, well, let's let's go. Let's do it. And we just drove right down the street. And it worked out perfectly. And, uh, that's when it did start getting really fun. Um, so what about the, the next one? Um, um, well, just getting kicked out of so many locations. Like we, we had to find like the audition room. So we went into a few dance studios and it just wasn't working. We tried, uh, a room in the other building, like the studio, uh, and that I think was already being used. Like at one point, like William Corey, the my the AD and I, uh, we were just just frantically scouting around the UNLV campus, trying to find a freaking location. And like, I was just trying to remain calm. Like it's weird because you feel so panicked at the moment, and like like you've almost lost control. But this this little voice in my head just told me that we're gonna get through this and we're gonna figure it out because there's no plan B. For me there's only plan a like we're going to do this and like that voice sort of kicked into my head and william Corey helped out with that too and then so uh, we finally found like a dance studio like an empty one that john uh found for us and we started using that and then even that one i remember the this guy that worked there you know got really upset that we were using it and uh because there was a class scheduled um, yeah like some in in like 30 minutes yeah so we it was just so rushed at one point like so tell me about that tell me about the whole story because i didn't i i didn't learn about this until way after the fact yeah so that's like that's when hell kind of broke loose in my head like that was sort of the biggest mental breakdown for me was when that happened because it's like we just were trying so hard to find the location we finally found one after getting kicked out like three times from like different places or just being told like no you can't shoot there and then I see a guy like at the window he's like peeking in at us and I remember looking at his face and just this dread slowly just like a giant wave just hit me and I was like oh no Oh God. And then at one point I, I went outside to talk to him and I think Will, William Corey was talking to him too. For He talked to him first and then I came out and he basically just said that it's like not allowed and you know, that we could get in a lot of trouble for shooting in the studio or the, the dance studio that we found. And, uh, but for some reason, he decided to be nice that day. And he said, I'm going to let you keep shooting, but you have like 30 minutes because I have another class or whatever it was coming in. Well, he actually let us into another room, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he did. That's what happened. Yeah. He let us into another room. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, what ended up happening is that all of the coverage of the judges was in the original room. And then all of the coverage. Oh, of yeah, that's right. 
all of the coverage of Mabel and Roberto were in a completely yeah. different room. That's right. Because uh, that's, that's yeah, that definitely added to the stress because we were in a completely different room and like the backgrounds were going to look different if we tried to shoot their, keep shooting their coverage. But luckily we got enough to where it did make sense. And uh, Ryan and... And also Stephen, the head judge, um, he... He wasn't even he wasn't even there um, for Roberto's performances. Yeah, because so, he had to leave early for work. So at one point, yeah, he just wasn't even there when it was Mabel and Roberto sort of giving like their performances. It was just the two judges, which was it's just miraculous how that worked out. Because yeah. yeah, now it's all like flooding back to me. Because I remember that's like that's how my breakdown started happening and I had to like leave the room just for like five minutes. I had to just get my shit together and let my brain just sort of relax. And William Corey really helped me out because he knew I'm sure, you know, cause I'm sure, you know, he's had experience, a lot of experience as a director and he probably could see on my face that I was starting to just like go into panic mode and like lose. I almost lost hope. So and, he, and and by the way, this was all unbeknownst to me. Like I think I was just like setting up a light. Yeah, or like, setting, like this I was, was all some, so. This was all in secret. Like yeah, I don't I, think anybody really knew that I was like outside, just like trying so hard not to start crying because like I felt like I just lost hope in that moment because I felt like it wouldn't match, like it, it wouldn't flow, it wouldn't have the continuity we needed, and I I thought we at one point like maybe we're not gonna get this you know so even me as the dp not knowing that you're <laughs> you're in this mental state i think i think speaks volumes to to how well yeah, you handled like it. i just i sat outside and william sat next to me and he just said okay here's what we're gonna do we're just gonna read the script let me just read some of it to you and we'll figure out what we need to do from there because we kind of got mixed up with the coverage because we got kicked out of one room and it just interrupted everything and I'm like, well, what do we really need then? Like, I just was getting so confused and like getting no sleep. I mean, that didn't really help much either. But he sat me down. And by the end of the script reading, after he finished, I just felt completely calm again. I just took a few deep breaths. And sometimes that's all it takes. It just takes a minute of silence, of solitude to sort of get yourself together. And yeah, I have to thank Will for that because I... I was losing my shit in that room at one point. So I just stepped out for five minutes. And by the time I walked back in, I was ready to go. And we all and it came turns together. Out, and yeah, and it turns out it all worked in yeah, the end. Because it all worked out perfectly. You, you couldn't, you, I mean, there's no way you could, you could tell that those were two completely separate rooms. And Yeah, and, which is amazing. And not all of our talent was there at the same yeah, time. Yeah, not it? even, they weren't there at the same time, which... Uh, I just feel so lucky <laughs> to have the cast I did because I know that that was probably hard, but man, yeah. So talk to me about also like the scheduling too, because one, Steven had to leave early. Yeah, that was the hard part is, so Steve had to leave for work and he actually ended up unfortunately leaving late and he was late to work, which I feel bad about. And then Roberto couldn't even, I don't think he could be just on set until 3.30 is when he got out of his job. So that was the scary part is we like literally had an hour of them together. We were pushing it all the time. Yeah. yeah. So I re that's, yeah, I remember now the first thing that we got for coverage at that point was just 
getting Steve and like the judges together because um, we really needed Steve's footage. So uh, we shot Roberto's and Mabel's like later on after he left. It's really cool. And then um, so in terms of so we, we end up wrapping, um, we all end up coming over to my house and then start in, and then start the editing process. And so tell me, but you had work the next day. Yeah, well. You had work both days, actually, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I had to go straight to work from there, which, oh, it was, it was tough because I, oh my God, for the 48, you just, you don't sleep. I, I really did not sleep because we didn't even finish the script till around 4.30 and then we had to be on set at 6.30. And I was so anxious anyway, like I just. I couldn't eat, like I couldn't sleep. I was just thinking, like my head was rushing with all these ideas and, and just hoping that it, it'll all come together with the preparation we did, you know. But um, yeah, I, I fortunately, like I, I had to leave and I left it up to like Ryan and Rob. Um, and I remember like at work, I was, uh, I got like a, a the rough cut and I remember watching it like at work on my break, you know, so I could, get a look at it and I mean Ryan Rob and Ryan like they they're amazing and like I trust them anyways so like I wasn't worried in the first place you know <laughs> so what was it to, so walk us through that last day like the final uh 24 hours like the whole oh editing. what was that well like? I can tell you that I can okay so I think a really crucial moment for me I actually did cry on set but really? it was it was out of joy <laughs> um actually it, I captured that moment yeah, I think, right? oh, really? when, we, when we wrapped. Oh, wow. I just remember like when when I said that's a wrap and when everyone started clapping, like even now, <laughs> I just get emotional. It was just such an amazing moment. Like it was probably one of the most life changing moments. And I can't even really explain why, because it's like it's like, oh, it's just a 48, you know, mm -hmm. but it was scary. It was so scary. It was something completely out of my comfort zone. And like just the feeling that that I did it, like I overcame my fear, you know, and I and also it was like the people too. just I remember being in that room and looking around and everyone was clapping and like the look on on everyone's faces, you know, like with such joy and relief and also just the experience we all had together. Like it was just so magical. It was really fun. It was probably some of the most fun I've had. It was Probably as equally fun as, as it was stressful, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were certainly moments where I really thought I was going to lose it and it was other people that really, it's just so important to have good relationships, like, and especially like with your DP, like, I feel like Rob and I are pretty much on the same page. Like we're on the same page all the time and like, I'll tell him something and he just already knows like he's there. And like the whole Fanta commercial, like that was Rob's choreography and, and he sort of took over that because like I don't have like a lot of experience in like the choreography and, and like he brought his friends who are dancers. And I think that's like what made it so amazing. Kind of help sell the. Yeah, the whole... to like help sell the Fanta commercial. 
Because that's like right up my alley, kind of though. Yeah. Like the commercial uh, yeah. space. So and I think like the, I was passionate about the story too, because I know what auditions are like. And, and sometimes it does feel like you're living in a crazy world. It just doesn't even feel like real life anymore. Because you're just like in a room with all these people who you don't know, who like in La La Land, she says, you know, it's like being in a room with people who are like, look exactly like you only like better and they can act better than you like <laughs> and it just sort of does make you lose touch with reality like it's just so scary you know and I felt like that experience just like my experience in acting really did help me with this whole process like a lot like tremendously and I I so am grateful for my acting experience because without that I really don't think this story could have come together as well like I really feel like acting and, and directing just go hand in hand. Yeah. It's kind of, especially for you, like getting kind of the, the, the perspective on both sides. It's, uh, I mean, they go hand in hand, you know? Yeah. And Mabel played the vulnerability so well at the audition at first, you know, and you, she's like so genuine and authentic and like they, they just take it as like, Oh, though that's nothing like, and, and then just the awkwardness of like, when you zoom out and her feet, like she just looks like stiff and awkward, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that is the exact feeling in auditions. Sometimes you just feel like a stiff board just that because awkward. you get so tensed up, yeah. you know, your muscles just tense up from, from, you know, like the nerves and the butterflies. And, uh, I just remember watching Mabel, <laughs> like the way that just played out and, and it was, it was magical. Did you have any um, thoughts on on what it was like, uh, kind of as we were wrapping up the, the our final edits? We I, we went through. Oh, so tell us about how how we had to cut, like how oh. much we had to cut. What was that? Well, like? It was like what seven over seven minutes long, like seven minutes thirty seconds. It was like ten minutes. It originally it was ten minutes. Originally, our first cut was around uh, ten minutes, and th there's a five minute cutoff point. Um, yeah, it has to be five minutes long, which uh, it's. Tough. So That's we cut out frustrating. pretty much half, um, which was, which is crazy in itself. Yeah. Which is insane that we did that because we, we cut out a lot of really great, funny moments that I think would have added on to the slapstick mm -hmm. aspect of it. And, um, yeah, I we just, yeah, we like, I remember us like trying to cut out a second here, a second there, you know, yeah, <laughs> like frame, we're, like, we're cutting out frames, like, <laughs> just trying to get this like, freaking thing. Cut it, cut it before he breathes. All right. Cut it before. Yeah. Like, like I remember me and, and, uh, the AD, uh, William Corey, we were just sitting here, just, just slaving away and just, just combing through like so many times of, of, uh, all the stuff to cut, but. I mean, in the end, I, the, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy with like how well it turned down in, in its final runtime. Yeah, it did. And, um, I was just so scared because I, I thought if we kept cutting, it would just take away from the story and eventually, you know, it would just be pieces. It wouldn't mm -hmm. be like one continuous line through the story. And I was just, I was so nervous about that. And I, I'm actually kind of uh, thankful for, I mean, having that kind of hard limit cutoff point was actually it's kind of a good way to kind of exercise um, on on your kind of storytelling ability on, on keeping things like brief. Yeah. You know, um, and that is important. I feel like it is sort of a good lesson. Yeah. Because. I it's it's you know, it's it's a double edged sword. It's like one you you 
you have all this great content and you want to, you know, showcase that. But two, you know, at the same time, sometimes as, as filmmakers, we get too attached to what we, things that we have created ourselves that by like including it, sometimes it doesn't necessarily add to the story. So having that ability and knowing when to cut and when not to cut, um, kind of is a really, really important, um, kind of little tool and asset to have in your, in your filmmaking arsenal. Honestly, I was so amazed by what they did in the editing room and how they cut it down and still, but it still made sense. It was still like a, it still had a beginning, middle and end. Then that was a big concern for me too. Like I, I want the story to have this arc and to have a beginning, middle and end. And I definitely feel like we managed to do it even after we cut down so much. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was yeah, for sure. And, it was and, a lot. And we came down to the wire too. We, I think we submitted it with like what nine minutes left, yeah. like under 10 minutes left, like before the yeah. submission deadline. And, and I just, uh, I remember like after you submitted it, just like the feeling in just the room, like, uh, I just felt like a million pounds just lift. Lighter. Yeah, yeah. Like just lift up into the air, just gone forever. I mean, well, until my next project, I guess. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was fun though. It's, it was, and I think what, uh, I, I remember Aaron saying, and, um, we were just so surprised at, at the amount of stuff that we were able to com- accomplish in just 48 hours. Yeah. Like, a ridiculous amount. And just, and like to imagine like what we could do in that amount of time, like with, you know, actual time, like with, you know, something that doesn't have that 48 hour constraint. Yeah. It's a good feeling. Did you, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that, I don't know, sometimes, sometimes the hardest freaking moments in your life end up becoming the best once you overcome it and see, look back and see how you achieved it. Yeah. It's all about growth and then yeah. taking that. And then that's, that's where experience comes in. Yeah. Do you have any uh, takeaways from your, your first kind of, directorial debut and this kind of controlled chaos that was for mom? Um, trust your instincts, <laughs> trust yourself and just have faith, you know, trust the people around you, develop relationships with those people. That's important because like, like I said, the reason why I think it turned out is because of the people because we all came together and we made something and we worked hard and we dedicated ourselves, you know, and as a director, like don't, it's, it's not about like your vision. Like don't try to be a control freak. Okay. Don't be like, you know, those really crazy controlling directors. Like, I feel like, like, seriously, I can't, stress enough how I feel like as a director, I don't, I, I didn't really do anything. I just let the people who know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do I, it. yeah. And I've been told, you know, by my, uh, one of my mentors, like surround yourself with people that do a better job than you do. Yeah. And I definitely got that, you know, and you know, that's, that's also an important skill to have is, is to, to be able to like, let go of creative control and, and, you know, like you said, trust your trust, trust, trust others in, you know, the process. Yeah. And, and if, if you surround yourself with people that do a better job than you do at specific things, then, um, you know, 
then I just, I'm like, oh shit. Okay. I'm just going to take a seat over here. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So anything else? Um, I'm just really grateful for the experience once again. And, um, do you have any other tips for anyone um, that might be considering participating in a 48? Top, top coffee. three tips. One, um, one is coffee. One is coffee. Um, two, please remember to just have fun. Do not take it too seriously. And that's, that's actually really important. That's a, that's something to definitely not lose sight of. Yeah. Is, is that, you know, we're like, we had so much freaking fun. Yeah. Like you, there were moments where I was laughing to where I was crying. There was a moment during the Fanta commercial where I think where Rob lost his shit to where he had to like literally sort of like bend down from the camera. Cause he was laughing too hard. Yeah. I, I lost it. <laughs> like those are the moments that you remember like the most on set, you yeah. know? And then, like, you know, remembering why we're telling stories, you know. Yeah. Ultimately, because we enjoy telling stories, but more, even more so importantly, yeah. because it's fun. Which leads me to the third tip, which I think is just try to see the big picture. Try not to get wrapped up in the really little details or you'll lose sight. Because I know I did at one point, And that's why Will had to take me outside and read the script to me. Because at that point I got, I once again grasped like the theme, like the idea of the story, like this is what we're communicating. Cool. Well, I think that's cool. it. This was cool. This was kind of a cool little, I've never really done this before. <laughs> yeah, it's almost same. like a video podcast. It is. Yeah. It's No, I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> I dig it. Cool. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this very first episode of Pictures Up, especially if you're still listening all the way through. My goal for this podcast is to get deeper insights on the minds of creatives and what kind of thought process goes into an individual's artistry. Be sure to swing by my YouTube channel for more creative content and filmmaking guides. Help spread the word by leaving a rating and review on iTunes to spread the knowledge and maybe share it with your other creative friends who you think might enjoy listening in. Again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you in the next one.